minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national and international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network, broadcast in the Northern Territory, Tasmania, West Australia, South Australia, Queensland, the ACT, New South Wales and Victoria and all parts of the globe via the uh, World Wide Web. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. This is the 40th year of the Anarchist World this week. In July this year, we'll be celebrating our 40th anniversary. So, of radio broadcasting. So, we may organise something spectacular, like a lunch. You like that? All right. If you wonder what anarchy is all about, an anarchist is somebody who believes in creating a society without rulers. Very simple. Simple concept means without rulers. Now, obviously, as you and I are born with original sin and we can't be trusted to rule ourselves and rule collectively, you know, as a society, we need strong rulers to tell us what to do to stop us raping and killing each other. What a load of crap. So it's a society without rulers, not rules. What gives a ruler power? Simple. Simple. Hierarchy and wealth. The more hierarchical a society, the less democratic a society, the greater the possibility that one or two individuals will be able to uh, impose their insane ideas on the rest of the community. It's about power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle to create a society without rulers is a struggle to devolve power and to share wealth. Simple concepts. And as I keep saying, the 21st century is the anarchist century, not because it's an era of chaos, but because we need the collective wisdom of all of us working together in order to solve the problems that 7 billion people living on a planet with finite resources dominated by an economic system based on the creation of ever-increasing profits irrespective of the human, social and environmental consequences need to organise around. Let's begin. War. Three-letter word. Not a four-letter word. War. The Turnbull-led coalition government has declared war on the 8 million Australians, one in three people living on this continent. 
who rely on old age pensions, single parents, parents' benefits, disability support pensions, youth allowances, parent, parenting allowances and new start allowances to survive. Over one in three Australians are completely dependent on a social security system. Now, in a bid to balance the books, I love that word, balance the books, balance the budget. The heroes in the Liberal National Party government have trained the government's guns on those least able to defend themselves. That's what I love about these heroes. These arrogant, hypocritical, know-it-alls. The federal government had a choice. It did have a choice. Everybody has choices. If it wished to balance the budget, it had a choice. It could have targeted the two billionaires who own more wealth in this country than the poorest five million Australians. That's right, two people in this country have more personal assets than the poorest 5 million Australians. I'll repeat it again and again and again. The two richest people in this country have more wealth at their disposal than the poorest 5 million. The poorest, 20, uh, poorest 15%. Or... It could have targeted the 250,000 Australians who own more wealth than the poorest 17.5 million Australians. That's 70%. 250,000 people on this continent and the islands surrounding this continent have more personal wealth than 70% of the people in, the, in this country. Or... It could have targeted transnational corporations that currently pay voluntary taxation. But it said, no, it's all too hard. We don't want to upset our mates, do we? We don't want them. We don't want to upset them by asking them to pay a little bit more tax, do we? Or we don't want to introduce death duties for multimillionaires, or we don't want to stop giving a tax refund to people owning more than one home or allowing stock market investors to claim their losses as a tax deduction. No way. No way will we allow that to occur, said the federal government. We need a soft target. We need people who have difficulty looking after themselves because of the limited economic assets they have. We need to target people who live a hand-to-mouth existence where every penny, every cent is used to look after their day-to-day needs. And how have they done that? It's not just about robo-debt. It's not just about the robo-debt. But over the last three months, sorry, over the last three years, the Abbott-Turnbull government 
has tightened the criteria to receive benefits to such an extent people applying for benefits, social security benefits, are routinely refused those benefits. And it has introduced so much red tape for people applying for social security benefits. A 16-year-old participant at last year's uh, Victorian Police Commissioner's Forum on Juvenile Crime stated publicly at the microphone that it was easier being a teenage cripple, sorry, easier being a teenage criminal, criminal, than having to deal with Centrelink. I'll repeat it again. It's easier to be a teenage criminal than having to deal with Centrelink. The federal government has built so many penalties into the system that more and more people who desperately need help are having their benefits cut off unnecessarily. We now have got the situation where they're sending out letters demanding money when they have no right to demand that money. Now, we need to understand the problems that one in three Australians face today, the problems that Social Security beneficiaries face, the problems that 8.5 million Australian men, women and children face today are politically created problem and that the government of the day has declared war on the most vulnerable people in this country because it thinks they can't fight back. It's frightened of the transnational corporations. It's frightened of transnational corporations because they think they will fight back. It's frightened of their uh, little billionaire mates because they think they will fight back. I mean, one of the most searing images, which I'll carry to my grave, that's if I'm not cremated, is seeing Madame Hancock, Gina Reinhardt, Hancock, protest at the introduction of a super profits mining tax a few years ago. This is one of the two people that has more personal assets than the poorest 5 million Australians. I mean, to rub salt into the wound, Centrelink is so grossly understaffed, it's becoming increasingly impossible to access anyone to deal with a Social Security recipient's concerns. You ring Centrelink and see what happens. And the problem has been compounded by a corporate-owned media that constantly talks about welfare bludgers, but refuses point-blank to talk about people like Rupert Murdoch, who received an $890 million tax refund in 2013 while making millions of dollars of profit. I mean, all this war is about $1.1 billion in savings, which they think they will, you know... They will find that's less than a hundred dollars per individual receiving social security benefits. They could make one billion dollars by targeting one company. Chevron, a multi-billion dollar company, 
which is a stranglehold on gas in this country, paid $259 tax last year, while one-third of the country's richest 1,500 companies, that's about 600 of them, or about 500 of them, didn't pay any tax whatsoever. And when you get organisations like Microsoft, multi-billion dollar transnational corporations that legally pay less tax than an average wage earner, you know something is wrong. So this government did have options. It wants to balance the books. It has options. But it is not willing to pursue those options. It is not willing to pursue that small section of society, the one percenters, that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. It is not willing to look at negative gearing. It is not willing to look at all the legislation which gives a leg up to those people with disposable income in this society. It is not willing to look at deaf up, look at deaf duties for multimillionaires and billionaires. Because when you look at the richest people in this country, most of them find themselves in this situation because of inherited wealth. So it's turned its guns, and that's right, guns. Because in many situations, the type of pressure which has been placed on people. It's the same type of pressure which leads people to self-destruct, kill themselves. So if people listening to this program, if you are listening to this program and you are on Social Security benefits or if you know somebody in your family who's on Social Security benefits, and I'm sure you do, and if you want a fair go for yourself and your children, You need to take political action. The time for begging and beseeching has gone. The time for waiting for the crumbs to be brushed off the corporate table has gone. The time for keeping your mouth shut has gone. If you want change to benefit you, you need to open your mouth. You need to become socially and politically active. If you're sick and tired of being treated as human garbage, if you want a future for your children, I suggest very strongly that you look at taking political action. I suggest strongly that you consider joining public interests before corporate interests. A political and social organisation which has been formed an inclusive organisation which has been formed to take up the fight, not just to the government of the day, but to that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. So if you want to join public interest before corporate interest, go to their website, pipsy.net, download the application form. Give us a call, 0439 395 489 because things will not get better in 2017. Over the last two years, over the last decade, I should say, 
we have seen a successful campaign which has criminalised trade unionists in this country, which has reduced the trade union movement to a shadow of its former self. And now that the trade union movement has been contained and people equate criminality with trade union membership, the next group on the chopping block are all those Australians who rely on social security benefits to survive. And that is what you're seeing today. The criminalisation of people who receive social security benefits, whether it's old age pensions, whether it's disability support pensions, whether it's parenting allowances, single parents benefits, new start allowances, and the list goes on and on. It's about the community thinking that people who require social security benefits to survive somehow are not pulling their weight, somehow are criminals. So if you stood back and waited and did nothing while the successive governments and the corporate-owned media have been criminalising trade unionists, now is the time to step up because you are now in that gun. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Oscar. I'm hosting today's program. And... 2017, you'd think things would be a little bit different, but they're not. It's the same story. The same story. We see people who talk about the age of entitlement fill themselves up with entitlement, go to the political vomitorium and vomit up and entitle themselves again. Look at the behaviour of many of the Liberal Party and National Party politicians. Look at the way they use public money. Look at how they kowtow, not beg and beseech or genuflex, but kowtow. And if you don't know what kowtowing is, it's about lying flat on the ground before your Lord and Master, how they kowtow to that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. How can anybody allow a system which allows two people? That's right, one, two. Hold up your fingers. One, two. Two people to acquire more wealth than than five million Australians. Five million. It will take you days to count Five million. Try it. Who would allow this state of affairs to continue? This should be front page headlines every day. And where do the figures come from? Not from the government, not from the corporate-owned media, not from the government guild at ABC. They came from a private charity, Oxfam. Think about it. Think about it. That is what they describe as an egalitarian community. And it gets better, folks. You know, like those ads you used to see when they'd throw in the steak knives and the two nights holiday down at, uh, on the mudflats. It gets better. Because the great thing about living in Australia, the land of Oz, is that we are now programmed to devour each other.
What's the big story? Two kids on a bloody billboard with headscarves on, waving Australia flags for Invasion Day, commonly known as Australia Day. You know, the billboard being taken down because a few racists were unhappy with the fact that Muslim kids celebrate Australia Day. Extraordinary. Where are the cops when you need them? If they've been threatened, why wasn't there a police investigation? They tell us when we're faced with a terrorist threat to go on with your business as usual, stare down the terrorists. Why didn't we stare down the terrorists? Because these people are terrorists. And there we are, fighting amongst ourselves regarding the language somebody speaks, the type of headdress you wear, the religious belief you follow. These are the big issues. If you listen to Divided Nation and sections of the Liberal National Party, these are the big issues of the day. Divide and rule, divide and conquer. These are not the big issues. The big issue is very simple, that power and wealth continues to be concentrated in fewer and fewer hands. The big issue is that the parliamentary process has been usurped by that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. The big issue is the increasing pauperisation of a population which is in debt up to its neck to survive because two people own more wealth than than 5 million. Think about it. These are the big issues. But do we discuss the big issues? No. They're raised occasionally, but they're not discussed. They're not legislated on. It's just extraordinary. It is an extraordinary situation for me to find myself in. I've been on this planet for over six decades. And if you told me in the heady days of the late 60s and early 70s that this is the type of society we would have created, a divided society, a racist society, a society where people devoured each other for the entertainment of that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, I would have said you were hallucinating. Well, you weren't hallucinating. You were correct, because that is the situation we find ourselves in today. And I know. I ask people, join public interests before corporate interests. People shrug their shoulders and say, Ah, it's all too hard, Joe. It's all too hard. I'm too old. I'm too sick. I'm too young. I've got a future to think about. I can't be bothered. And then people contact me and complain. And I say, why are you complaining? What are you doing about it? I can't resolve that issue for you. You need to act collectively, together with other people. We need to stare down those who wish to divide us on the basis of race and religion and colour, nationality, cultural identity. We need to stare them down. So if you want to join Pipsy, download the application form for Pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net.
And if I'm happy on this, I'm happy on this. I'll tell you why I'm happy on this. Because when I look at the political situation, when I look at the 44 registered political parties in this country federally, when I look at it, 95% are political parties which are driving a divisive agenda, which are gaining traction in this society. And we can stand on the sidelines and say, woe is me, or we can get involved in identity politics or issue-orientated politics like most of the so-called anti-authoritarian progressive movement has been involved in for decades now. But unless there is some type of political force that is willing to stare these people down, take them on, change will not occur. Things will get worse. And that's the situation you and I find ourselves in today. Think about it. You can complain. You can become a carping, complaining consumer. You can join the gunner tribe. I'm going to do this or going to do that. You can join the somebody should do something about that tribe. Or you can come out of your shelf and join public interest before corporate interest. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3CR dot org dot au 3cr.org.au and if you think I'm being a little bit harsh well maybe I am being a little bit harsh because because desperate times require desperate measures and every day things seem to be a little bit more desperate now I've got an announcement to make you won't believe this there is a new axis of evil emerging, a new axis of evil. Remember the old axis of evil? Uh, North Korea, Iran, and I've even forgotten who the third group was. Forgotten, that's how evil they were. (laughs) I've even forgotten. But there's a new axis of evil. And see if you can guess. The US of A, the United States of America, England, I've specifically said England, not Wales or Scotland or Northern Ireland, England, and Russia, the new axis of evil who think the world is their oyster. It's fascinating. Look, in a few days' time, we're going to have a tax evader, a cheat, a misogynist, a racist, and a bully become one of the most powerful political people on the planet. He will rise, Mr Donald D. Groper, will rise and become President of the United States of America. One in four of Americans, in their wisdom, decided to elect the Groper as their man in the White House. And not only is the Groper in the White House... The Republican Party has a majority in Congress and the Senate, which means not only will they be able to set the political, social and cultural agenda for the next four years in the United States of America, but 
they will be able to stuff the institutions with their hand-picked appointments so that they will create poison in that society for years, if possibly for decades to come. Already, legislation is going through Congress and the Senate which will target the most vulnerable people in the United States of America. It will tear up labour contracts, just like they did here a few years ago. It will destroy their their so-called Obamacare system, remove health care for the most vulnerable. A little bit like is happening to Medicare in Australia today, where fact and reality, reality and fiction, as far as Medicare is concerned, don't meld. It's supposedly a universal healthcare system, but more and more people are finding they have to put their hands in their pockets to access healthcare in this country. And we're seeing legislation which will strip away all those environmental protections which have been <coughs> generated over the past few decades. So we are in for a wonderful time on planet Earth over the next few years. It'll be wonderful. It'll be wonderful. And guess what? Did you know that in the United States of America, unlike the land of Oz, they have death duties for rich people? And guess what? The first thing President Donald D. Groper will do when he achieves, when he walks into the Oval Office, he will abolish death duties for multimillionaires and billionaires in the United States of America. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Because as we've seen in Australia and as we are seeing in the United States of America, it's about their personalised wealth. It's about centralising wealth. And how is he going to make America great again? He's going to decrease taxes. And what happens when you decrease taxes? You don't actually have the resources to do the job the modern state is supposed to do because the state evolved as an apparatus which protected the interests of those who wielded power, who used absolute power to impose their will on their vassal population. The struggles of the 19th and 20th century, the revolutionary struggles, forced the state to change its direction. It forced the state to begin to take the interests of its citizens at heart. It forced the state to provide basic services for all its citizens. It saw the introduction of universal health care system, pensions, workers' compensation, public infrastructure, public education. It forced the state to expand its role, not just as an instrument of control, but as an instrument via which the citizens of that particular nation-state shared in the Commonwealth. And that's why, you know, we're called the Commonwealth of Australia. Well, not that there's much Commonwealth these days. So the state 
has changed. The state is changing. The gains of the past are going. They've been frittered away. During the deregulation, globalisation, privatisation, corporatisation revolution, they have been frittered away. The state now is returning to its major function, control. And what we'll see with President D. Groper, what we will see is an increasing use of the state apparatus to suppress opposition. I mean, talk about thin skin. Thin skin. Somebody in you know in the entertainment industry does a skit on El Presidente, and he gets all upset. Maybe they should introduce a few new laws in the United States of America to pro- protect President D. Groper from being humiliated publicly. Although they've got the First Amendment, which is supposed to protect free speech, a little bit better than the United States, than the uh, Australia, which has no protection of free speech in, the, in our constitutional framework. Maybe we, we could have seven-year jail sentences like they do in Indonesia for insulting the president. Or maybe we could have life sentences, as they do in Thailand, for insulting the royal, you know, the royal family. You know, there's a whole, whole department in the Thai public service that scours the internet looking for people who insult the Thai royal family and then attempts to block that internet site. Extraordinary. But we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. And those Americans who think that Donald E. Groper, the strong leader, is their saviour, think again. Why is Mr. Putin so in love with Mr. Trump and vice versa? They are oligarchs. And that is what the new axis of evil will be. It's about oligarchs coming together using the state apparatus to maintain their power, expand their power, expand their wealth. It's no accident that President D. Groper is so keen to have his family in so many positions of authority because a classical dictator and oligarch loves to have the people around him who he can control and trust and that's why family is so important. Whether it's North Korea or the United States of America or Russia, the Russian Federation, it's the same story. It's about the oligarch or the dictator having people they can trust pulling the levers of power. Now, can you do anything about it? Not much. But what we can do, something about it, is to ensure that we as a nation are not dragged willy-nilly into the axis of evil. No more all the way with LBJ. Those of you who are old and uh, old enough to remember that old slogan from the mid sixties, all the way with LBJ. You know, when we entered the Vietnam War. So, interesting times, possibly. Difficult times, probably. Disastrous times, most likely. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on three CR. 
3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Anarchistage at yahoo.com. That's right, anarchistage at yahoo.com. All right, let's move on. Now, there seems to be a so-called public revolt against political correctness. What is political correctness? What is political correctness? Is political correctness... letting people or allowing people who never see the sunlight to have their day in the sun? Is political correctness about righting the wrongs of the past? So this is another interesting term, like the term welfare, political correctness. It's something which is bandied about. There's no such thing as political correctness. What we are seeing is blowback on social movements and political movements which have fought long and hard over the past few decades to ensure that the inequalities that exist are blown away, to ensure the institutional structures that exist which perpetuate inequality based on a person's colour of their skin, the language they speak, their racial origins, you know what they look like, their disability their gender, their sexual orientation are swept away. This has been an important part of political debate, social debate, cultural change in Australian society. And to dismiss this as political correctness is playing into the hands of people whose agenda it is to reintroduce those divisions, to reintroduce that oppression. And they use the concept of free speech to push their claim. Well, if you want to talk racist shit, well, there is a consequence to pay. Although it doesn't look like that in Australia in the 21st century, does it? When you get billboards taken down because a few people make a few threats because they're unhappy that a few kids wearing, you know, you know, some Muslim headdresses are waving Australian flags. Come on. Come on. So there are a lot of words I don't use on this program. Welfare. Dead in the water. It's social security benefits. Political rec- correctness. You don't use that word. Or by using those words, all you do is reinforce the power, the negativity of those words. It's the struggle for equality. That's what we're looking at. We're looking at the reaction to the struggle for equality in our community. Three speech. It's fascinating, isn't it? Those who exercise power want free speech to denigrate those who want their day in the sun, who want to emerge from the caverns of society into the sunlight, who want to say, we are as important as you. 
who want to say, it's time you took us seriously. It's time you didn't judge us by the colour of our skin, the type of headwear we wear, but we were judged by what we do, not who you think we are, but by what you do. Because there's nothing easier than generalisations. And we are awash with generalisations which are based on our prejudices. Because some Sudanese gangs are robbing jewellery stores, we automatically assume that all Sudanese are criminals. Because a large number of people in the prison system, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, we keep saying that these people you know, have no place in our society. They're criminal elements. And the list goes on and on. Generalisations. Generalisations based on a visual, you know, a visual, not an understanding of the situation, but just a, a visual response. Bang, 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 bang. She wears a head covering. She's a terrorist. He looks like an Aboriginal. He's a criminal. He's an African. He must be a criminal. And the list goes on and on. And what we do is we then create the environment which denies people the ability to def- to um, develop themselves because they happen to belong to a particular religious belief or were born in a particular cultural setting or receive social security benefits or are trade unionists. Simple. So this program is about not papering over those divisions, it's about exposing those divisions. It's about saying that we have more that binds us than divides us. And if we allow ourselves to be divided and pushed around by that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication and continue to fight amongst themselves, we will continue to have the problems we have. Let's move on. This Friday, the 20th of January, is is National Indigenous Freedom Fighters Day. Never heard of that term, have you? Now, the struggle to have a monument erected at Tanaminawe and Morbohina, two Indigenous freedom fighters who were executed on the 20th of January 1842 in the city of Melbourne for fighting to protect their lands, their families, their communities, their language and their culture in a major capital city has ended. A monument financed and maintained by the Melbourne City Council after a 12-year community struggle and campaign led by the Tanaminawe and Morbohina Commemoration Committee has resulted in the establishment of significant vibrant living monument at the corner of Franklin and Victoria Street in the Melbourne CBD. It is there. If you are in Melbourne, visit it. Forget about the construction work next to it. That will be there for a number of years as they build a new underground railway station next to it. 
If you want to know where it is, it's opposite the old Melbourne jail. It's next to the corner, at the corner of Victoria and Franklin Street. It is next to the eight-hour monument. It's down the road from Trades Hall. Easy place to find. Beautiful garden setting. Restful place. A 21st century monument. Not the usual bronze pigeon dropping, you know, monument. A monument to the frontier wars. We are grateful. The Tanaminawaya Mōbōhina Commemoration Committee are grateful that the struggle to erect the monument has come to an end. We are grateful of the public recognition that the Tanaminawaya Mōbōhina execution now has, not just in the city of Melbourne, but the rest of Australia, because at the same time, at the same same time, we are having the Tanaminiwe Mōbōhina Memorial on National Indigenous Freedom Fighters Day in Melbourne on the twentieth of January at midday. Two hours later, at Circular Head in Western Tasmania, permanent markers will be established by the citizens of Smithston and northwestern Tasmania to honour and remember Tanaminaway. That rock we threw into that void about the beginnings of this country is now, those ripples are now touching the rest of this country. But we understand that although this phase of that struggle has come to an end, we understand this is only the beginning of the struggle to kickstart the stalled reconciliation process between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians in this country. Because the Tanaminawaya Mōbōhina Commemoration Committee had four, four aims. And three of those aims have been completed, and that was the establishment of a significant monument to Tundaminawaya Mulborhina, to acknowledge the injustice of the day, to bring to attention the story, the brutality of the colonisation process, and last but not least, the most important of all, to kick-start the stalled reconciliation process would exist between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians in this country. This monument is a template for the rest of Australia to begin the struggle to acknowledge the significant impact the frontier wars have had and continue to have, not just on Indigenous Australians, but the rest of us. Many of the attitudes that so many Australians hold are directly related to the fact they know nothing about or have been taught nothing about the brutality of the colonisation process. The 20th of January marks National Indigenous Freedom Fighters Day. On the day Tanaminaway and Mōbōhina were publicly executed in 1842 for conducting armed struggle against the colonisers, we publicly acknowledge the tens of thousands of men, 
women and children who were killed in the most brutal fashion during the colonisation of this land. That's what the 25th of January will become in the future, National Indigenous Freedom Fighters Day. Today, on the 20th of January, we remember those who paid the ultimate price resisting the colonisation of this land. On the 20th of January, we acknowledge our Indigenous brothers and sisters who continue to struggle for a reconciliation process based on justice, not charity. I encourage you to come on the 20th of January. The ceremony starts at midday. It's a Friday. We understand it's going to be raining. It doesn't matter. We will be there. We've been there on hot days, cold days, wet days. And we will be there on the 20th of January. And we are there not just to mark the execution of Tanaminawai Mōbuhina, but we are there to mark a new day in the calendar of this country, National Indigenous Freedom Fighters Day, a new day which acknowledges the frontier wars, a new day which publicly acknowledges the tens of thousands of men, women and children who were brutally murdered and dispossessed so that sheep could roam on their lands and rich people in England get richer. We encourage you to bring your children. They need to understand. We encourage you to bring your friends. We encourage you to come on the 20th of January. I encourage you to bring flowers, which you can lay at the monument and also at the burial site. With your support, which we have had over the last decade, and the support of the communities you belong to, National Indigenous Freedom Fighters Day will morally and physically eclipse Invasion Day. And that's what it's about. It's about creating a day of remembrance. It's about creating a day which will push Invasion Day, commonly known as Australian Day, to the side as a day which is inappropriate for us to celebrate this country. Why do we continue to celebrate on a day that caused so much misery and harm to people on this continent, the islands around this continent, who had lived here for over 40,000 years? There are many more appropriate days we can celebrate, and I'll use the word again, the multicultural society that has been created on this continent. So join us Friday. If you can't join us, the first hour of the ceremony will be publicly broadcast through Community Radio 3CR. That's midday to 1pm, Friday the 20th of January. If you can make it, corner of Victoria and Franklin Street, you cannot miss the monument and all the trees and shrubs and plants which surround the monument. Encourage you to come, whether it's raining or not. Bring a raincoat or an umbrella. I encourage you to be part of it. And at one o'clock, at the end of that phase, we will walk to the old. We will walk to the uh, 
the markets. We will walk to the markets, to what we believe is the final resting place of Tanaminoe and Morbohina and Figara Akaputra, a man from an indigenous man from Port Ferry who was executed in 1842 for resisting colonisation. So join us, two hours of your day, two hours, take the day off. Tell the boss you're going to work on Invasion Day, it means nothing to you. Tell them you take National Indigenous Freedom Fighters Day off, which is the 20th of January. Tell them you won't be coming to work on Friday. Tell them that, but you're happy to be there and you're happy... You know, not even a claim overtime for working on Invasion Day. It's just another day. So come along, 20th of January, Friday, midday to 1pm, at the memorial site at the corner of Franklin and Victoria Street in the Melbourne CBD, not far from the city baths, across the road from the old Melbourne jail, next to the eight-hour monument, not far from Melbourne Trades Hall. And then walk with us from there to the markets, to the burial place of Tanaminawaya Morbohina. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Remember, this program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. You can access us by the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can write to me, yes, I do answer letters, I enjoy answering letters, to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.net, anarchistage at yahoo.net, or at info, I-N-F-O, at pipsy.net. Don't forget to look at my uh, Facebook page, Toscano for the Public, all the information, or go to the Tunner Mall dot com website tunner t u w n e r mall m a u l dot com website for all the information you require about the Tanaminoi and Morbohina commemoration on Friday the twentieth of January. Lots of things to do. Listening to the Anarchist World this week, next week, and remember, finally, the ball is in your court. Let's use a tennis analogy as the Australian Open is on. I've hit the ball in your court. It's just gone over the net. Just clip the net onto your side. What are you going to do? You're going to whack it back into my face. You're going to whack it back into the corner. So that's what life is about. They tell me there's an afterlife. I don't believe it. But if you believe it, enjoy your afterlife. Otherwise, get involved in the struggle to change this society for the better, not just for you and me, but for each and every human being on this planet. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station via the, as I said, via the community radio network. Listen in next week to the Anarchist World this week. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction an analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger!